Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Commander's Forge. I'm in pain. But that said, my name is Andy Bentley, and the Commander's Forge is an area for me to talk about magic, commander, and anything else while I try and wrangle this whole mental health into a place where it's supposed to be and not in the garbage where mine is. Now, this week I am in a lot of pain. Mostly because getting old sucks. Don't do it. I don't recommend. Last weekend, I helped my cousin and his roommate move. And this weekend, we helped his girlfriend and her sister move. And I'm just... I'm feeling the consequences of my own actions. That said, I wanted to touch quickly on the Doctor Who... Uh, commander decks that came out, uh, mostly just to say that I got them all, and I'm probably just going to kind of keep them together, sleeved up in like a little box of their own, so whenever I'm hanging out with people, I can just be like, hey, do you just want to jam these decks together? You see, I, I was never the biggest Doctor Who fan. Uh, I was really only familiar with like I believe it was the 8th, the 10th, and the 11th Doctor back when I was growing up. And I never really got into it more than like just passing knowledge of the show and stuff that happened in it. And I don't really have any plans to purchase much more of like the single products, like the collector decks. But each of the decks does come with, like, that sample pack that gives you, like, two cards from the set that are from the collector boosters. And I ended up pulling a borderless, um, the War Doctor, which is two, a red and a white. It's a 3-5 for a Time Lord Doctor. And it says, whenever one or more other permanents phase out, and whenever one or more other cards are put into exile from anywhere, put a time counter on the War Doctor. And whenever the War Doctor attacks, it deals damage equal to the number of time counters on it to any target. If a creature is dealt damage this way, would die, exile it instead. And I also pulled uh, a borderless Adric Mathematical Genius, which is one in a blue for a 1-1 human artificer. It has for two and a blue and tap copy target activated or triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. And it has ultimate sacrifice, which is one and a blue to sacrifice him to counter target activated or triggered ability. And then it has the doctor's companion ability, which allows you to partner it with a doctor. So I had this idea for like a Jeskai phasing deck where the goal is going to kind of be to, like, phase out opponent's creatures so that I have clear attacks. But then I was looking through some of the stuff that I just had on hand, and I was like, you know, we can just throw things like Aqueous Form in there and make them unblockable, or Aether Tunnel. And then we could start doing stuff that, like, exiles our own stuff, like Slip on the Ring. Uh... We have stuff like Light Up the Stage, that's like Card Draw Exile. Uh, we have Stone of Ereach, which is uh, an artifact that says if a creature an opponent dies, you exile it instead. 
And this is finally a place where I can put the Virtue of Courage that I pulled. That's the uh, three red red enchantment uh, that says whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to a opponent, you may exile that many cards from the top of your library. You may play those cards this turn. And then it has uh, Emberth Blaze as an adventure for one in a red. It deals two damage to any target. So the way I envision the deck working would be like a mid-rangey remove creatures temporarily to get extra damage in with your commander. And then you can either uh, start propagating the counters on him with Adric, or you can just nuke somebody with Adric, because, I mean, both of his abilities are triggered abilities, so when he attacks, you can tap Adric to double the amount of damage he does. So, I mean, you get four counters on him, you attack with the War Doctor, he domes your opponent for four, but then you just double that to eight. Now, it's not considered combat damage, so you can't, like, commander damage them out this way, but slinging around extra random damage in a Jeskai deck, I mean, I think it'll work. Alright, um... So today we are not going to do like a full deck tech in the second half because we're going to talk about some of the uh, Ixalan cards that I've seen that I am so far excited for. So I'll be right back to talk about them. Hey, I just want to take a minute to tell you about my Patreon. I know times are hard for everybody and I know it isn't easy to shuffle around bills and stuff. Believe me, I know that. But if you would like to help support the podcast and me, you can find the links to my Patreon in my link tree, which is always put into the description of either the video or the audio, wherever you're listening to it. It would really mean the world to me. Honestly, I'm just struggling to make ends meet most weeks. But that's it. That's all. If you want to help, the links will be where you can find them. And we're back. Now, the way I do any kind of set review is that I do not do a full set review. If you want that, there are plenty of other places that do that. I'm just going to cherry pick maybe one to two cards from each color that I want to talk about. And then kind of break it down a little bit. And I'm sorry if I butcher any of these names. I will try my best. The first one I want to talk about is Ogier Tak, the deepest foundation. Four white white for a 6-6 god with vigilance. It has if one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, three times that many tokens are created instead. And instantly I know this is going to be a $50 card. But when it dies, return it to the battlefield, tapped and transformed under its owner's control. It becomes the Temple of Civilization. It is a land. It taps for a white. And you can pay two and a white and tap to transform the Temple of Civilization. Activate only if you attack with three or more creatures this turn and only as a sorcery. I feel like this card's going to be a problem. 
the one upside is that it's six mana. So maybe that helps keep the um, price down a little bit. Now, I also want to touch on the fact that Resplendent Angel is getting a reprint in this set. Uh, that's one white-white for a 3-3 Angel with flying at the beginning of each end step. If you gain five or more life this turn, create a 4-4 White Angel creature token with flying and vigilance, and you can pay three white-white-white until end of turn. Resplendent Angel gets plus two, plus two, and lifelink. Now, going into uh, blue... Uh, the first one I do want to talk about is the uh, Ogier Pakpatik Deepest Epoch, which is two blue blue for a 4-3 god. It has flying, and whenever you cast an instant spell from your hand, it gains rebound. When it dies, return to the battlefield tapped, and it transformed with three time counters on it. It becomes the Temple of uh, Cyclical Time. It's a land, taps for blue, and remove a time counter from the temple. For two and a blue and tap, transform the temple, activate only if it has no time counters on it, and only as a sorcery. Now, the other one I did want to touch on here is, uh, in blue, the Enigma Jewel. It's a single blue mana, it's a legendary artifact. Enters the battlefield tapped, and you can tap it and add two colorless mana. Spend this mana only to activate abilities. But then it has an ability that says craft with four or more non-lands with activated abilities for eight and a blue. So what the reminder text says is pay eight and a blue, exile this artifact, exile the four or more from among permanents you control and or cards in your graveyard and then return this card transformed under its owner's control and craft only as a sorcery. And it turns into the Locus of Enlightenment. It's a legendary artifact. Uh, Locus of Enlightenment has each activated ability of the exiled cards used to craft it. You may activate each of those abilities only once each turn. Whenever you activate an ability that isn't a mana ability, copy it you may choose new targets for the copy. I can already see a few decks where this would just kind of pop off. And I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be uh good times. Uh now moving into black, we're gonna start with the Elkalot's Deepest Betrayal, which is three black black for a four-four bat god. It has flying and lifelink, and whenever it attacks, each opponent discards a card for each opponent that can't. You draw a card, so that that's going to be fun. Whenever an opponent discards a land card, you create a 1-1 bat creature token with flying, and then when it dies, you again, transform it. comes back as Temple of the Dead. Uh, it taps for a black, and for two and a black, you can transform Temple of the Dead, activate only if a player has one or fewer cards in their hand, and only as a sorcery. Interesting. It doesn't matter that it's you or an opponent, so you could just keep yourself at one card in hand to flip. Okay, interesting. Now, the other black card I kind of want to touch on is Tarion's Journal. It's one and a black for a legendary artifact. You can tap it and sacrifice another artifact or creature to draw a card, activate only as a sorcery. Uh, 
but you can pay to tap it and discard your hand to transform the journal. It becomes a legendary land with the type cave. It taps for a black, and it taps, and you may cast a creature spell from your graveyard this turn. If you do, it enters the battlefield with a finality counter on it, and is a vampire in addition to its other types. Then it says if a creature with a finality counter on it would die, exile it instead. So, yeah. Alrighty, moving into red, we have uh, Ogier Axanil, Deepest Might, which is two red red for a 4-4 god. It has trample. If a red source you control would deal an amount of non-combat damage less than his power to an opponent, that source deals damage equal to his power instead. Huh. And then when it dies, you can return it transformed, and it becomes the Temple of Power. Taps for red, and again, has an activated ability for two and its color, so two and red. Tap, transform, Temple of Power, activate only if... Red sources you control dealt four or more non-combat damage this turn, and only as a sorcery. Huh. That that might be going into that deck I was talking about building in the first part of this. Uh, now, the other uh, Riad card I wanted to touch on is uh, Breaches is coming back. Breaches, Eager Pillager... Two in red, legendary pirate, sorry, goblin pirate. He's a 3-3 three, three with first strike, and whenever a pirate you control attacks, choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn. Create a treasure token. Target creature can't block this turn. Exile a top card of the library. You may play this card. Is this card going to be amazing? No. But I hope we get enough critical mass of pirates in this to actually build more pirate decks. Honestly, I was hope I'm hoping for a black red legendary pirate that just cares about pirates attacking, you know what I mean? Uh, but moving into green. There's actually a a few things I want to touch on here. First off, the reprint of Growing Rights of Itlamok. Uh, secondly, the, um, green god has not been previewed yet, but instead we have Huatli, Poet of Unity, two and a green for a 2-3 human warrior bard. When she enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. Why would you need to get basics with the deck you run with her? Uh, she has an ability that costs three and then two hybrid Boros. To exile Huatli, then return her to the battlefield transformed under her owner's control, activate only as a sorcery, and her backside is Roar of the Fifth People. It's a saga. On step one, you create two 3-3 three, three green dinosaur creature tokens. On two, Roar of the Fifth People gains creatures you control have tap. Add Naya colors. On the third step... Search your library for a dinosaur card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. And then on the fourth step, dinosaurs you control 
gain double strike and trample until end of turn. Uh, and this does not have a return afterwards. So after you get to the end, it's just, it's gone. That, um, maybe I need to catch up with this story because if, uh, Sahili loses her girlfriend, a lot of people are going to be mad. Uh, now there is one green one I just, I have to touch on. It's Earthshaker Dreadmaw. It's four green green for a 6-6 six, six dinosaur at common with trample. So that's just the Dreadmaw from like the original Ixalan series. Uh, but this one says, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other dinosaur you control. So it's a strict upgrade to the original common green Dreadmaw. Yeah, good times. Now, uh, looking at the multicolored stuff, I don't want to get into too many of them, just because there is, well, a lot. But I do want to talk about Sahili, the Sun's Brilliance. Uh, it is a blue and a red. For a 2-2 human artificer and for two, uh, I'm sorry, for blue and a red and tap, create a token that's a copy of another target creature or artifact you control, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. It gains haste, sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step. So, yeah. Uh, Sahili and her girlfriend are both here. Uh, do you want to touch in on the fact that uh, Quintorius... Hand, the uh, elephant from Strixhaven, is getting his first Planeswalker card here. I don't really want to get into it. Uh, we have a new Gishath. Except it's not a new Gishath, it's actually just a reprint of Gishath, but with new art. Uh, we also have uh, Kellen here, the Planeswalker from the last set whose name escapes me and then there's a captain storm cosmium raider is this lannery storm i don't know more uh more will have to be inquired and the all the new vampires and stuff I'm not really looking to get into it. Uh, oh, there's a mana rock called Sunbird Standard. It's three mana, taps for any color. But it has craft with one or more for five. And it flips into Sunbird Effigy. It's a uh, bird construct. It's a star star with flying vigilance and haste. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of colors among the exiled cards used to craft it. For, and then you can tap for each color among the exiled cards used to craft it. And add one mana of that color. Huh. That's interesting. Okay. And I just want to round this out with 
talking about some lands. First off, Cavern of Souls is getting a reprint. Uh, but we have a new cycle of lands called Caves. There's one for each color. They all start with Hidden, and then, you know, Cataract, Courtyard, Necropolis, Nursery, and Volcano. They tap for blue, white, black, green, and red, respectively. And then they each have an ability for four, and then the color that they tap for, to sacrifice it and discover four. And activate only as a sorcery, and apparently discovering four is you exile a card from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card with mana value four or less. You can cast it without paying its mana cost, or put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. That's cool. Uh, and then there's also a, a set of man lands here. Uh, the Restless Lands. So we've got Restless Anchorage. Enters Battlefield Tap. Taps for white or blue. And for one, a white and a blue. It becomes a 2-3 white-blue bird creature with flying. And whenever it attacks, you create a map token. We have Restless Prairie, which is... Uh, again, enters tapped. Taps for green-white. For two, a green and a white. It becomes a 3-3 green and white llama creature until end of turn. Still land. Whenever it attacks, other creatures get... Uh, plus one, plus one till end of turn. We have the Restless Ridgeline. Enters tapped, taps for red-green. For two, a red and a green, it becomes a three-four red-green dinosaur. Uh, whenever it attacks, another target attacking creature gets plus two, plus zero till end of turn. Untap that creature. Restless Vents is tapped, uh, taps for black-red. And for one, a black and a red, till end of turn, it becomes a 2-3 black and red insect creature with menace. And whenever it attacks, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. Huh. Interesting. Well, I really uh, don't want to spend too much more time talking about this. But as I'm looking through at the foil-only booster cards, so far, there's uh, six Cavernous Souls there, and they all have, like, a different color scheme. There's one that's, like, green, red, and yellow. Then there's one that's, like, completely yellow, completely blue, completely purple, completely red, and completely green. Those look kind of sick. So, when it says that they're foil-only booster cards, that means they're probably only in the collector boosters. Huh. Alright, well, before I get too far into the weeds here, I think we're going to wrap this one up, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. All of my links can be found in my link tree in the description below. I would like to thank Ian Foss and Cody Mulpey of the band The Crypt for allowing me to use music for my opening and ending, along with Nate and Erica Jacobs for making my original logo. And I would also like to thank Christina McNichol for creating my new logo. And I'll see you next time.